0: Sir. Good morning, guys. Why don't you turn with me to Matthew 13? Matthew chapter 13. And this, uh, this chapter is where Jesus gives the story of, the, of the, the farmer that goes out and sows seed on four different soils. If you'll remember, Jesus is gathering around him a multitude of people, tons and tons. Of people are gathering around him, probably thousands, and they're gathering to hear him they want to hear the Word of God they want they want they've heard that Jesus changed his lives maybe they're here to hear a word of forgiveness or to hear a word of comfort they're here because Jesus when he speaks can you imagine the anointing on Jesus when he opens his mouth and starts talking? Can you imagine what it would feel like and 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 you would hear God and, you know, God would be changing your life. But also they were gathering to be healed physically. The, the, the word had gone out. People are getting healed physically. And so oftentimes it says that people were gathering to hear him and to be healed. In Luke 6 says that. And they, they wanted a touch from God. They wanted their lives to be changed. You know, these are people who don't have doctors and don't know how they're going to pay the, ta- the exorbitant taxes, tax debt that they were in. So they're gathering before Jesus. And he had to get in a boat off on the shore because there were so many people and, you know, he wanted to actually teach the word. He didn't want them just to push on him and just touch him. And plus water is a good amplifier of sound. in the boat, pushes a little bit away from the, uh, the shore, and he teaches them. And oftentimes he would teach in stories and things like that. And this story is the story of a farmer that goes and sows seed. Now, uh, you know, of course, if you're a farmer and you have a bunch of seed, uh, your seed is money, is it not? I mean, even farmer, those who are farmers, they often even buy their seed. Your, your seed is money. And so you don't go around arbitrarily, randomly wasting your seed. It's your investment. It's your money. It's your livelihood. And you sow seed to produce fruit, to produce a crop to feed your family, and an abundance to sell and sell things like that. That's what a farmer does. So Jesus picks up the story of a farmer. Everyone in his day and age probably would have understood what he was talking about. It talks about a farmer who goes out and sows seed. He says this farmer sows seed and this seed goes out and it lands on all these different kinds of soil. The first soil was hard. You know, it was just a pathway. No rain had fell on it. And so it was hard, probably close to concrete. You know, it's kind of like seed landing on a sidewalk. And then some seed, oh, and, 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 on, that, and on, on that wayside, the birds came and ate it right up, right? Because the seed didn't go into the ground. Nothing happened. The next uh, thing is some, some of the seed fell on rocks. And here you're talking probably just, you know, some rocky pathway, a little bit of dirt, mostly rocks. And so, you know, you're driving on a freeway and you see a little blade of grass sticking out of the crack of a freeway. Well, because that, that somehow... That seed found some soil, but not, not enough to actually grow into a mature plant. And so Jesus says this seed falls on the rocks. It doesn't have enough soil. It doesn't have enough moisture. So the roots don't go down very deep. The, the, the crop sprouts up. You see a little piece of green. You see something sprouting, but there's not enough roots. And so when the sun gets hot and, and all that stuff comes, that, that little piece of grass or that little piece of whatever you know uh, crop or whatever withers. And nothing happens. There's no fruit. It just withers. And then the the next soil, Jesus says, are the thorny soil. Some of the seed falls on this thorny soil. Have you ever seen nettles? Have you ever seen like just a a field where where this like green thorny just weed is just all over? See, the, the third kind of soil, the seed falls into the soil and it's got soil, it's got dirt but it has something else that shouldn't be there. And what happens is the, that that one starts to grow. The crop starts to grow. You see again, you see some green coming forth, but something else is in there. There are two things in the soil, and those two things compete. And that, those nettles, those thorns, are strong. Have you ever seen it just like take over a tree or take over something? And, 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 and those things are strong. And so Jesus says, well, those thorns compete with that crop and those thorns grow up with it and just choked it. And Jesus says that that fruit doesn't, or that crop doesn't bear any fruit either. Doesn't grow to maturity, and nothing happens. And then Jesus says, "There's one more kind of soil. The fourth kind of soil is good soil. And of course, the good soil doesn't have the rocks, doesn't have the thorns. It's not hard. It's soft. It's tilled. It's ready to receive the seed. And it receives the seed, and the crop grows up, and it increases." And it bears fruit. And Jesus says, some of the crop bears 30-fold, some of it 60, and some of it 100. And of course, Jesus is, um, as He says here in uh, verse 10, the disciples say, uh, what? (laughs) The disciples say, huh? (laughs) Why are you talking to us about farming? We'd like to know something about how our lives could be changed. <laughs> He's, they say, why, why, why do you speak to them in parables? Why, why are you always telling stories, Jesus? Nobody knows what you're talking about. Just like you were probably wondering a little bit. No, I mean, many of you know the story already, but you know, so, uh, uh, how is this relevant to my life, right? And Jesus says, verse 11, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been given. And Jesus is telling the disciples something. He's telling them, I'm talking to you about the kingdom. See, this story about how a sower goes out to sow seed and it falls on four different soils and only one of those soils produces any kind of fruit, Jesus is saying, I'm talking to you about the kingdom. I'm talking to you about how the kingdom operates. In Mark chapter 4, verse 13, Jesus actually says, if you don't understand this parable... How are you going to understand any of the other parables? He says, this parable is the key to understanding all the other stories that I share. And this story is the key to understanding how the kingdom operates. And so he goes on and he explains to his disciples, starting in verse 18, what he's talking about. It has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Jesus wants us to understand. He wants you to understand how His kingdom operates. So let's look, let's read verse 18 to 23 and then we'll draw out some principles. And you know the Lord, let me tell you, the Lord has a word for you today. God, I've been with the Lord as I always am. and I'm always listening to Him but the Lord spoke to me today for you. And the Lord wants to speak to you today. So let's open our hearts, amen? And Father, we do ask that You would speak, that You would personalize that you would bring forth your word that you have for your people. And Lord, we do open our hearts to receive. I open my heart and I receive what you have in Jesus' name. Amen. So he says, Therefore, hear the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is he who receives seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on stony places, this is he who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy. Yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. For when tribulation or persecution arises because of the word, immediately he stumbles. Now he who receives seed by, uh, among the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word and he becomes unfruitful. But he who receives seed on the good ground... Is he who hears the word and understands it, who indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, and some thirty? Jesus is telling us right here how to see God's will done in our lives. He's explaining to us how the word of God works, how the whole thing works, how the whole system of the word or the kingdom of God operates in our life and on this world. And he's explaining to people. Imagine all these people standing on the on the on the beach. That'd be a great place to have a sermon, yeah? I mean, church, right? Stand on the beach. I'll stand on the in the water. You know, get knocked over by the waves or something. No, I'm joking. He was in a lake, so I guess it wasn't a lot of waves. He's standing in this boat telling these people how they can receive what God has for their life. This parable explains to us why some people receive and some people don't. This parable explains why some Christians get breakthrough in their life and some continue to struggle with the same thing over and over again. And over, This parable explains why you can have people who name the name of Jesus, but you don't see them reproducing their lives in the lives of others, and you don't see the blessing of God characterizing their life. And this parable explains how you can receive what God has for you. This parable explains so simply how God's will can be done in your life, how you can fulfill your calling, how you can reproduce your lives in the other, get breakthrough, get freedom from addictions, and see God's will done in your life. This parable explains why some people get answers to prayer and some do not. This parable explains how you can receive healing. I remember when I first, I mean, I've probably preached this, meditated on this for a long time, seen principles from it from many different angles, but I'll tell you, when I... Came to a, I was listening to someone preach the word. Actually, in level three, it was my I call it like my my aha aha moment. <laughs> it's not like I hadn't been walking with the Lord for a long time. Been through my ups and downs, seen breakthroughs, seen defeats, and then breakthroughs. And literally, I'm I'm listening and I go, oh oh yeah aha, oh that's why I've gotten breakthroughs in my life. Oh yeah. I get it now. Oh, that's it. Like all of a sudden, the things that the Lord had taught me, because He's just a good leader and a good teacher, amen, he's, the things that the Lord taught me, all of a sudden I understood, oh, well, that's why it worked. And then, and, then, and then I also realized at the same moment, oh, that's why I hadn't gotten that breakthrough yet. Well, that's what I'm dealing with. All of a sudden it was the simplicity of the story that helped me to see how simple the kingdom was operates and how we can partner with God to see what he wants done in our lives his desire for us produced in our lives so you'll see that the sower goes out to sow the seed and that seed is the word of what in verse 18 I'm sorry verse 19 the word of the kingdom right It's the word of the kingdom. People in that day thought that the kingdom of God would come and the king would come and just whoop on everyone and God would just like sovereignly set up his kingdom on earth and kick out the bad guys and politically everything would be all good and done and everything. One day Jesus will come back. He'll reign on the earth. But Jesus comes in and he says to you, no, the kingdom of God just doesn't just push its way into your life. Jesus comes in and He simply explains to us why there is brokenness and demonic powers and sickness on this earth. And He says, it's not because it's God's will. He says, no. He says, it's because the kingdom of God has to be received in the hearts of people. He says, no, no, no. The kingdom of God isn't just going to, like, jump on you. The king isn't here to come and just, like, kick the Romans out. That's what they thought Jesus would do. No, he says, no, the kingdom is like a seed. See, God's will for your life, the Word of God, the Word of God, and we're going to talk more about this, the Word of God contains, it, it, the Word of God is the seed from heaven, right? It's the, it's the seed from heaven. And so it contains the will of God and, and it, had, it contains the desires that God has for you. And, and the gospel, the good news, the message about Jesus, and how He died and rose, and how much God loves you, that goes to you in a seed form, as a message and as an invitation. Every time Jesus talked about the kingdom, He talked about it going forth as a seed or an invitation. And here's the point. That the constant is the seed. The constant is the Word of God, Right? In every single uh, instant of the story, in every single soil, what stayed the same? The seed. It was the seed from heaven. It was the Word of the Kingdom, the Gospel, the Good News, the Word of God. And that Word has the power to change you and transform you. Like Kurt talked about briefly, it's the Word of God that has the power to bring you into your inheritance. And that Word is the sure, guaranteed, absolute, powerful Word seed from heaven. And it's the constant in the story, is it not? But what's the variable? The soil. What determined fruitfulness, what determined that, uh, what determined that the Word would produce fruit had to do with the soil. And what's the soil? Your heart. My heart. See, there's lies that that are all around the church today. Well, if it's God's will, He'll just do it. If it's God's will, it would have already happened. If it's God's will, He'll just make it happen. But Jesus is explaining to us so simply. He's the master teacher. This is the core of His teaching. This is the parable that unlocks the other parables to help you understand how the whole thing works. And He's telling you, God wants to do it in your life. The variable is you. See, the fruit is the byproduct. It's the fruit of the kingdom. The seed is the word of the kingdom. The fruit is the fruit of the kingdom. It means that when you produce fruit, it'll look like the kingdom. It'll look like Jesus' life in your life. And what determines whether you're going to produce 30, 60, 100 fold or whether you're going to produce at all? It's faith. The fruit is the result of your faith. Your trusting in the Lord. See, God's will to heal you, to save you, to change you, to bring forth your calling. That's the constant. He wouldn't have said it if He didn't mean it. God is not a picker and a chooser. Some people think, you know, some people get saved some people don't because God picks and chooses. Some people, well, you know, that guy's still struggling with his life because God just decided that he didn't want to do it in that person's life. You know, he picks some and chooses some and doesn't pick others. And, you know, other people think it's a timing of God, right? We, we hear that all the time too, don't we? Well, you know, it just wasn't God's timing for that person to be healed. Or wasn't that timing for you to get that. Well, you know, it wasn't God's timing. Well, Jesus kind of blows that whole thing out of the water. And he says, no, it's a seed is what it is. It's a seed. It's not about timing. It's not about whether God, not God being a picker or a chooser. Jesus is saying he, in this sense, as the preacher of the word and, and, and as the primary farmer or anyone else we hear preaching the word of God, he says, they're throwing out the seed and you don't sow seed so it won't produce fruit, right? God doesn't say something in his word so that it won't produce fruit in your life. What is the desire of the farmer? What is God's desire in your life? What is, what is God trying to produce? What is Je- why would Jesus even be teaching this? Because He's trying to help people understand how they can see the will of God done in their life. There's probably a sta- bunch of people standing there wondering, I wonder if it's God's will to heal me. And He's telling them stories about seeds. What is the desire of the farmer? A hundredfold, is it not? Some produce 30, some produce 60, some produce a hundredfold. A hundredfold. Did, did Jesus... Didn't Jesus say, Ask my Father anything in my name and it will be done for you? What is Jesus' desire? Is it, is, it, is it his desire that you pray prayers that go unanswered? No. He said, If you ask anything in my name, it will be done for you. That's the seed. Well, but, but how come it doesn't happen all the time? Well, what about Aunt Greta? Didn't he just explain to us why it didn't happen all the time? People like to argue from their lack of experience, don't they? And it proves absolutely nothing, right? Well, but it didn't happen in my life. Uh huh. And that proves what? Well, I, believe God. I prayed and I believed God and it didn't happen. And you're trying to say what? Which soil are you? In that instance. We, 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 we create a theology based on our lack of experience, don't we? We've created a theology based based on not having fruit and not seeing the will of God done in our cities or our churches or our nation. And we say, well, it must not be God's will. You know what I'm saying? Well, I wonder why the church in America is declining. Well, maybe it's just God's will or God's time. You know, revival comes and goes and all that. No, Jesus is not saying that at all. Jesus is saying, which soil are you? And the reality is, is we're probably all these soils in some areas of our life, and, right? And the reality is, those of us who are Christ followers, we're producing some fruit. You know, if you're producing 30-fold, you're doing pretty good. Kind of like in baseball, right? Batting 300, you're doing pretty good, right? Batting 1,000, yeah. What is His will for us? Batting a 1,000. Didn't, didn't Jesus bat a 1,000? Did He ever pray a prayer that, did go, that went unanswered? No. Nope. Did he ever not see the will of God done in his life? Nope. And Jesus is trying to teach us how to do the life of Jesus, isn't he? He's trying to teach us how to be his followers, his disciples, because disciples are people who are becoming and doing just like the master. Jesus said, a disciple who's been properly trained is just like the master. Jesus said, if you believe, you will do the works that I do and greater works. And so it helps me to see and helps you to see how it is that we get victory in our life. How it is we see God's will in our life. And why it is sometimes it doesn't happen. It helps us to understand what the Lord is doing. That He wants to get His will done in our life. But His kingdom comes to us as a seed. And the problem is not timing. And the problem is not whether or not it's God's will. And the problem isn't even circumstances. Or your situation, or your past, or your sins, or your worthiness. You know, remember that sun came burning down on some of that seed, right? Well, I'm pretty sure the sun came burning down on all the seed. Right? Trials and tribulations, persecutions, tough times, wilderness experiences, droughts. All those soils experience the sun burning on the plant and the crop. But one still produced fruit. How come? It had roots. Your circumstances and your situation and whatever you're struggling with is not the problem. This just happens to be the context in which you find yourself needing to believe God. (laughs) Jesus explains there's injustice and there's brokenness on this earth. There's sinfulness and there's rebellion on this earth. We should not be surprised if somebody doesn't get healed or if somebody doesn't get saved. What does that prove? That proves that this world is broken and diseased. But when someone does get healed, what does that prove? That the seed from heaven produced the fruit of heaven. That the kingdom broke in. Of course we live in a broken, fallen world. Whose fault was that? Not God's. We're the one who rebelled against Him, kicked Him out. Get out of here. And then we're suffering the consequences, and then we blame Him. Jesus came as a loving King. The Word became flesh. Came to save us, heal us, deliver us, right? This thief comes to kill, steal, destroy, and Jesus came to give life, and life to the fullest. That's it. He's preaching to them how to get life abundantly into their lives. He came to do this. He gave His life as a sacrifice, as the seed to produce the fruit. And he's trying to explain, I want this done in your life. This is how to get it done. This is how you can partner with me. How are you going to get victory in your life? How are you going to get freedom from that, those addictions that you're struggling with? That lust that you're struggling with? How are you going to get that job that you need? How are you going to fulfill the calling of God on your life? How are you going to see prophetic words spoken over you that seem too big to be true actually manifest into the natural and produce fruit and happen? How are you going to become more and more like Jesus? How? By faith. Your victory is by faith. We're going to talk about that in the next coming weeks of how to produce fruit, how to be fruitful people. I was seeking the Lord this week and the Lord spoke to me. I was meditating on the Word and a bunch of stuff and I am thinking about King David's life. tripping out. Tripping out about King David's life. Do you realize that King David was anointed king probably around age 15? He was a young adult. Definitely in his teen years. He's hanging out in the sheep with the sheep, right? You no know, like sheep. All of his brothers get invited to a dinner with the prophet Samuel. Samuel looks at all of them, and God says, "Nope, not those guys. Look at the heart." Samuel turns to David's father Jesse and says, "You have other kids?" <laughs> I always wonder if Samuel was like, uh, "There's got to be another one, right?" You know, shoot, I hope I heard God. You know, let's try it again. Start at the top. Do you have another one? <laughs> Jesse's like, Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. We had The youngest one's out with the sheep. He didn't even get invited to the, to the party. Samuel says, We're not even starting until, until he's invited. David comes. The moment Samuel sees David, hears from the Lord, gets out the oil in front of everyone, anoints him with oil. Age 15 or so, declares this young man to be king over Israel. It's starting to trip me out. So I'm talking to the Lord. I'm saying, Lord, why? Why would you anoint him at 15 when he's not going to be king for another at least 15 years, right? He becomes king over Judah, which is one tribe, at age 30 after lots of stuff, <laughs> lots of difficult times. And then seven years later becomes the king over all of Israel. The fulfillment of his calling doesn't come until he's 37. And I go, huh, God, why do you anoint him king when he doesn't even receive the position until he's 37? You follow with me here? You put some oil on the dude and declare him king before he ever has the official position. Because you know, when he was 30, they poured some more oil on him. And when he was 37, they put some more oil on the dude. Why? Why does God do that? I know you guys all have it all figured out and everything. Well, the first thing, just is that God calls things that are not as though they are. He's the God who looks at you and says, you're king, and you're like, who are you talking to? You know, Is Saul behind me or something like that? What are you talking about? I'm king. I'm 15 years old. There's another dude in in leadership. What are you talking about here? It doesn't make any sense. Right? And then that seed goes into the soil, and nobody sees it. They didn't believe in him. His brother's side was full of pride. The seed goes into the soil and nobody sees it. And it just stays there. Well, the sun beats on it and tries to destroy it. Well, the thorns are getting ripped out of our lives. And I said, Lord, why? Why did you anoint him? 15, and he doesn't even receive the position until he's 37. And, of course, the Lord said, because that's what he needed. Because that's what you need. Because that's what I need. And then, and the Lord told me, he said, teach the church how to stand on my word. Teach the church to stand on my word. Because how did David become king? By faith. Did he not? When everything else said the opposite of the word of the Lord in his life. Yes? And what did he do? David could have gotten mad at God and offended at God and forgotten his calling. David could have said, forget it, I'm done. David could have killed King Saul and taken matters into his own hands like we usually do when we don't believe the promises of God. Right? We go for plan B instead of sticking with plan A. Yeah? What could David have done? Forget it! He could have become discouraged. He could have given up. He could have stopped worshipping the Lord. He could have stopped serving God. But what did he do? He had anointing on his life and he said, Man, who the heck is this uncircumcised Philistine taking this guy out? Why? Because he had an anointing on his life. Amen? And he built up his faith and all that. When he's running from Saul and he could have been thinking about himself, he says to God, hey, should I go save that city over there that's being attacked by the Philistines? Why would he even ask that question? Because i got an anointing on my life and no position. When everything was taken from him, everything and his men were going to kill him. It's the bottom of the bottom of the bottom. It's the bottom of the ninth, right? Down by a lot. Everything is taken from him. They're like, dude, we're we're done with David. They don't believe God anymore. (laughs) What What kind of soil were they? Uh, The Bible says he strengthened himself in God. He went before the Lord, and he did what he had been doing for ten some years. And he said, you are my rock and my refuge. And you are the God who perfects what concerns me, who fulfills his purpose for my life. You are that God. You said this over my life, and I believe you. Say, God, deliver me from this guy who's who's trying to kill me. But he says, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. I will see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And he built up his faith and he got with his God and he worshiped the Lord. And then God spoke to him. And not only did he get everything back, but days later, he's anointed king of Hebron, or in Hebron, over Judah. Why? Faith. How are you going to get victory over your addictions? How are you going to fulfill your calling? How are you going to see your prayers answered? Those things that you've been crying out to God about, weeping before Him. He knows. He hears. How are you going to see the prophetic words over your life fulfilled? By Faith. Here's what the Lord is saying to you. and We're going we're to go deeper into this. We'll learn this more and more. But the Lord is saying, if you will hold on to my word and not let it go. It will produce fruit in your life. Because the power is in the Word. We'll talk more about that. And the only difference between the soils is that that last soil held on to the Word of God and wouldn't let it go and persevered in faith without the rocks, without the thorns, without the hardness of heart, not allowing offense to come up not allowing the distractions of this world and the desires of other things to choke it out, holding on to that Word, it produces fruit. And I want to say it again. If you will hold on to the Word and what God has said over you and spoken to you, listen to me, if you will hold on, you will produce fruit. All you have to do is not cash out. This is the greatest investment in the world. You know, a little bit goes a long way in, in the kingdom of heaven. You know, you put a little bit of money in an account that yields 3%, you ain't going to do so good in the long run, right? Barely catch up with, intri- or, uh, with the inflation rates. But you take your money and you put it into an investment account, 12% interest rate, with compound interest, and your money will double, and it'll double again, and it'll double again, yeah? You guys know how compound interest works, right? Those of you who are in debt, compound interest is working against you. It's actually how the kingdom of darkness works. The enemy sows seeds in your heart, compound interest works against you, producing the fruit of the kingdom of darkness in your life. But you take the word of God, just a little bit, a little bit goes a long way. And you don't let anyone steal that word from you. You don't let, you don't let circumstances or what people say about you or some stupid preacher who tells you, you know, God might not do it in your life. You don't let anyone steal it from you. And you hold on to it and you don't cash out in the recession. (laughs) That money will double and double and double, and double again. I'm telling you, you cannot not produce fruit in the kingdom as long as the Word is in you because the Word will not return void. It will produce fruit as long as you hold on to it. That's it. See, the Lord says to you, you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He says you're dead to sin and alive to God. That's who you are. That's His reality over your life. The Bible says by His stripes, Healed. That's His reality over your life. You say, but I'm still sick, but I'm still struggling with sin. Yeah, and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He calls things that are not as though they are. In your spirit, you are righteous. In your spirit, you are whole and complete and healed. You are healed by His stripes. That's God's reality. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no lack or debt in heaven. There's no depression in heaven. There's no none of that in heaven. And the seed of heaven comes into your heart if you'll receive it. Amen? And the Lord says that over your life. And if you will hold on to the Word of God that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, what will happen? You'll produce righteousness and you'll break free from those strongholds and you'll walk in purity. And what will happen if you hold on to the Word of God with faith that you are healed? What will happen? You will be healed. And I could go on and on and on. Do you need wisdom? If anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God. I just need to hear God. Just that? Man, I need a job. Well, He will supply all you need according to riches and glory. And promotion comes from Him anyways, yeah? It's walking according to the reality, God's reality, not this world's reality. Yeah, you want to produce the fruit of this world's reality, you go ahead and feed on the circumstances in this life and in your, in your world. See the supernatural break into your life, you feed on the Word of God because that's God's reality, Yes? You want want to just keep being bound in sin, then you just keep saying over to yourself that you're a sinner. You want to walk in righteousness, then you start standing on what the Word says about you and what Jesus has accomplished through the cross. Amen? Come on, think about Abraham here for a second. God comes up to Abraham and says, Hi, you're now going to be called a father of a multitude. And he and his wife are barren. Barren. I'm not sure if I'd like that name or dislike it. After meditating, I was like, oh, okay, I, th- I, th- I, think I, I think I like it. The Lord's teaching me. But I mean, come on. Hi. Hi, Father of Multitude. How are you doing? I don't have any kids. My wife, and I are your Hi, Father of Multitude. Uh, would you stop calling me that? No. I mean, some of us feel like that. Some of us feel like that. Would you stop saying I have a prophetic destiny over my life and God's going to do great things for my life? Look at me. Would you stop saying that I'm going to be free, Dave? Because, uh you know, I can see us being frustrated. But God speaks over Abraham. You're a father of multitudes. And I think that's more encouraging than discouraging. But he has no kids. But God just keeps calling him by that name. And what happened? He had a son. And through that son ultimately comes Jesus. And through Jesus, nations are coming to the Lord. Abraham's the father of our faith. What if Abraham did not believe God? What if Abraham did not partner his heart with God and walk in a covenant relationship with God? What if Abraham said, forget you? What if Abraham did not believe God? He would not be a father of multitudes. He would not be the father of our faith. But God calls things that are not as though they are. And God is speaking over your life things that are not as though they are and He is calling you, will you believe me and my reality instead of that? Now think about it. Abraham and his wife were barren. Shoot, if they were fertile, they get have had lots of kids. Some of you, you might be smart and brilliant and wonderful and you can do it on your own. You're not going to produce anything of eternal value in your own effort. But some of us, ah, I don't need Jesus. But most of us, we do. <laughs> Hallelujah. Many of us here, we're barren. Some of you, maybe even physically. Maybe spiritually. Barren. I don't have the strength. You can't trust in your willpower. You already tried that. And Jesus comes to you and He says, No, 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 no. I'm not talking about your reality. I'm not talking about your strength. I'm not talking about your lack. I'm talking about the abundance and the provision and the power and the authority that is in heaven that I am inviting you into through My Word. And if you will believe My Word, over you that you're a father of multitudes, then that will become your reality. And if you'll believe my word over you, that you are the righteousness of God, then that will become your reality. And if you'll believe my word that by my stripes you were healed, then that will become your reality. And if you'll believe the prophetic word and the prophetic destiny over your life, then that will become your reality if you'll just hold on. Amen? Somebody say amen. Amen. Or just give me a whoop whoop. Let me just read a verse to you. Tell you something from my life and we'll be done. Galatians chapter 6. You can turn there if you'd like. The sower sows the word. He wants to get his word into your heart. He wants to get his fruit in your life. And he says this in Galatians six nine. And he says, Let us not grow weary while doing good, for in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. You will reap a harvest. I will reap a harvest. I just like to declare that. <laughs> our church will fulfill the assignment on our churches, on our church that God has given to us. You will fulfill the calling of God in your life if you do not lose heart. How are you going to gain victory? By faith. How are you going to get free? Someone say it. How are you going to fulfill your calling? If you must not lose heart. Amen? Man. I still remember being a new Christian I came to know Jesus. I was living in darkness. I had no power against sin. Full of condemnation. Thought God hated me. And then the revelation of God's love and that I'm right with God just hit me. I believed it. Whew. Seed came into my heart. And I found the power of God. He was there living, Jesus in me, the Holy Spirit walking with me, giving me his power over things like temptations. See, before I was a Christian, I was bound in lust. But I still struggled. Why? Because what I had was a seed. I still beat myself up and I'd still fall down and I'd I'd feel condemnation and I'd struggle through these things. But what did I do? I didn't do it very well, but I did it. I stood on the Word. By God's grace. I didn't even know what I was doing. As long, listen, as long as I didn't think God wanted to do it in my life, to set me free and get me breakthrough, nothing happened. I don't know what it was, but as I continued just to stay in the Word, something happened. I got a revelation. He wants it more than I do. Oh, wow, it's His will. The Bible says uh, God's will is your sanctification for you to be pure and walk in holiness began to hold on to that. Condemnation began to break off my heart as I understood I am forgiven. I am righteous in Christ. And I stand in that truth. And as I would walk in that, stand in that reality, I would begin to hear God. He would give me strategies. And I walked in freedom. And I still walk in freedom. I have to just do the same things I do every did back then. I have to, have to you know, same thing. I have to fight the same battle. Stay, stay set on the Lord. Dependent on the Lord. Standing in His Word. His word is my freedom and it continues to be my freedom. Amen? So it's nothing of my own ability. I'm not saying, oh, look at me, I'm so wonderful. What I'm saying is, faith. It's when I believed, listen, let me say it another way, faith begins where the will of God is known. When you discover that it's God's will to do those things in your life and you believe it, you hold on to that, He'll speak to you and He will release power for you to walk in freedom or whatever else it is that you need. Whatever it is, it is according to his will. I used to never see people get healed physically when I put my hands on them. I was the guy that said, well, I don't know if healing is real. I think it happens in other places of the world, but it doesn't happen here. And it sure doesn't happen in my life. Well, okay, it happens in other people's life, but maybe it'll never happen in my life. I mean, I was that guy that said stupid things like that. I'm sorry, you probably say those kind of things. (laughs) Okay, they're stupid, but you're not. Okay. But then I began to say what Jesus says. You, you realize, we don't talk like Jesus and we don't get Jesus' results, right? So I began to talk like Jesus. I began to declare what God's will is. I began to preach like it's written. And guess what happened? Well, we started seeing healings in our church. Legs grew, cancer gone, backs healed, ankles healed. Knees healed, dyslexia healed, depression gone, migraines gone. Huh, what changed? Oh, I guess maybe God's just in a good mood lately. No, I'll tell you what it was. Hey, right? I just decided that I'm going to stand on the Word and believe the Word. And I'm not going to let up. And we're still there, aren't we? And what God's going to do in us and through this church is going to be by faith. Because I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live by faith. And you will produce a harvest if you will not lose heart and if you hold on to the Word.